0: November 21st, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, and Daf Ayin Tet Amud Aleph. If you count from all the way at the top of the Amud down, it's 21 lines down. We'll pick up in the middle of the line, four words in, where it says the word Peshita. If you recall very briefly, the context is the following. The Mishnah recorded many statements of the Hachamim, uh, which everyone agreed to. If a person were to intend to kill one and end up killing another, intended to kill an animal and end up killing a person, and intended to kill a, a non-Jew, a Oved Kochavim, ends up killing Israel, and so forth. In all of those circumstances, the Mishnah told us, Patur, but then the Mishnah continued and talked about other, uh, similar and uh, somewhat different circumstances, concluding, ultimately speaking, with Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Rabbi Shimon at the very end says, <laughs> Even if a person intended to kill one and killed the other, patur. the Gemara question, what was Rabbi Shimon specifically referring to? Ultimately speaking, the Gemara told us he was talking about a situation of, and the Gemara will uh, clarify exactly what that means right now. Says the Gemara Peshita, the following is clear with regards to the Bishim'on's opinion. Again, the name of the game for the Bishim'on is intention. How much intention is necessary in order to make a person liable for death penalty, to put put to death with Saif as a murderer in a Jewish Torah court of law. The following is clear. Kae Reuven v'shim'on. Ka'e means standing. Reuven and shim'on are standing in front of this uh, murderer, this potential murderer. Ve'amar, and the person as he's wielding his, uh, I don't know, knife or Gun says, My intention is for Reuven. I'm not intending for Shimon. He's explicit. I'm intending for A and not for B. Again, the warning is issued. Uh, for both of them. It's very clear. You are prohibited and may not kill either one of them if you were to kill them. Here will be the death penalty for you, and there's an acceptance of it, but he nonetheless, the murderer, is clear. The potential murderer is clear. I'm intending for A and not for B. Ultimately speaking, of course, he kills, but not the one he intended for, but rather the other. that circumstance, pelukta, of course, is a a machloket, the word pelig in Aramaic means to split, and as a result, pelukta, this is what they're split on. Hachamim would say in such a circumstance, that's enough intentionality to make this person liable for death penalty. He is a murderer to the extent that Torah law will deem him appropriate for death row. Bishim'on says, no, until there's an absolute and utter intentionality. He needs to be clear and stated. He's aiming for that one, and that's the one he kills. However, what about the following other two cases? would Bishim'on, to that extent, that he's lenient, uh, that he lets off the hook and says, you're not liable for death penalty. You're not considered rotziach, according to halakha. What about the following two cases? Amar lehad minayu, my. What if he says, my kavana is for one of you? Uh, which one? Either one. It doesn't matter to me. Reuven no, and no, Shimon no. standing in front? Uh, one of you. There's a warning, you're not allowed to kill either one of them, and they both Jews, and so on and so forth, and he accepts it. But he wasn't being mechavin, per se, for one as a, as opposed to the other. There's not an explicit, and explicit intentionality. Iname. Alternatively, what if he says, There's just one person. He believes that person is Reuven. It turns out, instead of being Bobby, it's a Sammy, it's a Simon. And uh, he killed the person. Now he had the intention full and complete for this body. But in terms of person, he believed there was a different personality. So his intention was not 100% but it's certainly, with regards to you and I uh, sizing this up, we're getting closer to absolute intentionality. What's the halacha in those two situations? Mai. bring in three different cases? Yes, the first one is peshita. The latter two are mai. What's the halacha according to the Bishimon? That's the Gemara's injection with regards to clarifying his opinion. Why would he want, want one book? Is it? It's a dangerous situation you're holding a gun guns can be misaimed your arrow your knife whatever it is can be misaimed we're going to give you a warning for both understand that this is a very a very dangerous situation be aware of what you're about to do the second case he doesn't care which one but he's not intending for one as opposed to the other what's that we're trying to, to, to decide how much intention matters. We know intention matters. What about when you intend either one of them? What about when you intend this body but not this person? Tashema says the Gemara, ironically and surprisingly, when we read this on Friday, half the class blurted out, of course he's a murderer, even according to Rabbi Shimon, The B'raita tells us otherwise. Rabbi lifloni the only and, and specific circumstance a person be liable for death penalty to be considered according to Rabbi is when the explicit statement is, I'm intending for A, and that's the one that you kill. It means that even if it's the same body but a different personality, it means if I don't care which one of the two, I'd be patur. Now injects the Gemara. Once we have a Biraita, which settled that matter, those second two of the three cases, we know now. Rabbi Shimon really is very lenient with regards to letting people off of death row. What's the reasoning of Rabbi Shimon? He must have a pasuk that he points to. There must be something out of character in the Torah that for Rabbi Shimon is, is, uh, is provoking his understanding in this circumstance. Amar if you recall, the pasuk says, I'll read to you very briefly again the pasuk we read on Friday. And the pasuk describes how if a person is, uh, ha- bears a certain hatred to another, but then those next two words, we'll return to in a moment, and then the pasuk says, and he climbs up, or he stands up to the person, and he kills him, and he dies. All right, that's the circumstance. What are those two words in the middle? Ve'aravlo. Ve'aravlo means he, uh, he uh, specifically and purposefully plots against him. He's crouching and waiting for the opportunity to kill him. Why did the Torah need to paint this circumstance so graphically? If you told me already, he hates him. He found him, he killed him. What's with the extra words of Ve'aravlo, says Rabbi Shimon? Those words are purposeful, not just to tell a story, those words are purposeful to teach a halakha. The only time you'd be liable for death penalty, not a bad person, you'd be a bad person if you kill anyone in any circumstance, any situation. Not that you won't be liable for anything, you will be liable for much. The specific circumstance over here is where you'd be liable for death penalty, to consider Torah, the only circumstance wherein you'd be liable for death penalty says it be Shimon. Until you have a full and express and an explicit intent for that person. Uh, that's those are our extra words. Are extra four words if not two. But then it's more. It's also and he climbs upon him. Clearly planned, that's the point. Clearly, explicitly, expressively planned for that guy. That's the understanding of the Bishma. Uh, after all, it's almost, almost bring us to the other extreme now that we read those words, at least it is for me. In other words, I just read those words in the Torah. Those words are pretty clear. Maybe it wasn't my intuition. Perhaps I'm a little bit more conservative in my understanding of who should be uh, put to death and how we should consider a person liable for death penalty as a roseah. But ultimately speaking, those are extra words we need to contend with. How do you explain those words? Because after all, even, now it almost seems far-fetched. According to the circumstances, I expressly intend to kill A, a person intends to kill A, but ends up killing B, but there's a warning for both, they're both Jews, There's both in front of him. He's liable for death penalty. The hachamim are not the other extreme, but they're more f- fluid with regards to death penalty. How do they explain the pasuk? Ve'arav lo vekam alav, where it sounds as if he's plotting for the person's death. Amre Dever B'anayi, Dever explained that hachamim derived from this a foundational halakha, which might not meet the eye, but in the context of other halachot, is very significant. Perat le'zorek even lego. It's uh, coming to exclude a circumstance, a situation where a person finds a gathering of people, grabs a stone, a rock. Again, this need not be all the specifics, but that's the best way to paint it. Uh, so, sort of, uh, across the street, there's a gathering of people. In that room across the street, it's gathering people. I grab a very heavy rock, which has the potency to kill anyone it strikes, and I throw it into that room across the street. There's a window open, I throw it in there and it ends up killing someone. Now, I'm very far removed from intentionality. I don't even see who I'm killing them. It's my force, no doubt. I'm throwing it, but ultimately speaking, who it strikes and how it strikes them is not really fully in my hand and certainly not in my intentionality. In that circumstance, I say the hakamim mir patur. One second one second. You told me, according to Chachamim, you made clear, if you intended for one, killed the other. So what's the specifics over here? Because we're going to have to really measure intentionality. not going to be easy. We're going to try to as well as we can. Hechidame, what's the specifics according to this statement of the Chachamim, that you'd be patur in a circumstance of Zorek, even lego. Lego, we know that word already. We know the word Migol from time to time in the Gemara. Migol literally means from within, uh, migol we uh, say since from within this statement, lego means into, lebar means outside of, like bariata, lego means into. Uh, so I threw a rock into. Ilema, what's the case? Perhaps you'll say, maybe the circumstances in that window, th- through that window, across the street, there's nine non-Jews, nine of the Kochavim, the Gemara calls it Kutim, that's after the censor. Kutim, of course, were brought by Melech Ashur and Teiris Yisrael. We mentioned Kutim when we don't want to say Goyim or Nochrim because it would disturb our non-Jewish uh, neighbors over the course of much time. But the circumstance specifically is, again, liability for death penalty will be specifically when there's a murder of a Yisrael. So this, perhaps the circumstance is in that gathering there's nine non-Jews and one Jewish person. In that circumstance, I threw the rock in, patur. That's the haidush. You needed need a pasuk in the Torah to teach you in such a situation, be patur. Uh, we should derive that you'd be patur because the majority in that circumstance are non-Jews. If the majority are non-Jews, we're going to go based on the majority. We're going to size up your intentionality. Uh, the circumstance is such that the majority are non-Jews in there. Uh, we assume that you're going after, or at the very least, uh, the 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 odds are you're going to strike a non-Jew. Of course, you're going to be patur and such a sir. You don't need a pasuk vara. I know it's it's hard to wrap our heads around in contemporary modern day society. We don't want to. Of course, we shouldn't want never would want to kill anyone. But in terms of liability, it's a non-Jew as the majority, nine to one or six to four, whatever the In In amen, maybe the circumstances, alternatively, palga u palga. Maybe the situation is it's half and half. There's five Jews and five non-Jews. That's where the Chachamim <laughs> wrote, in such a situation, I threw the rock in, a person throws the rock in and ends up killing a Jewish person. It was half and half. We have a principle in Masechet Yomanda, Peda quotes it. We've seen it in Masechet Sanhedrin on several occasions. From the Pasuk of Vihisilu Ha'eda, the concept being, in any circumstance, Basically, any circumstance where it's equivocal it could go this way or that way. 50-50 with regards to life and death in Beit Din, we let you off the hook. half and half. and If it's a 50-50 situation, 50% Jewish, 50% non-Jewish, and you threw the rock in, you'd still be patur. You don't need a pasuk ve'arav lo ve'kam alav in such a situation. I'd say, it's half and half. It's half and half. We're going to be linear. You took someone's life. Go ahead. I don't think so. They didn't have guns, but uh, you might say uh, he shot an arrow. Uh, for whatever reason they say. That's why I said it doesn't need to be specific to the best of my knowledge. Yes, rock certainly is. It's got to be a rock as our Mishnah made clear. It must be. Must be. It can't be one of these out of the ordinary situations. So I can't imagine it would be any different than any of the other. Again, conjure up a situation. The arrow's a little bit harder. The bullet, yeah, it could be a bullet. I mean, today's oh, day natured it's bullets, yeah. Says the Gemara, so it must be instead, again, there's a chidush, there's a certain novelty in the opinion of the hachamim that you would have thought this guy who threw the rock in would be liable for death penalty, but he's still not. Okay, we're, we're, we're gasping, la it must be ikah tish'a Israel Had chad b'nehim, oli. The circumstance is such that there's nine Jews or six Jews versus four, even nine and one or even 99 and one. It's a situation where with regards to Jews, they outweigh in majority the amount of people in that room in that gathering. A person throws the rock in, Liable for death penalty or not, keep in mind, according to Hachamim, if you try to kill one, you kill another, it's two Jews in front of you, you're liable, you're hayab. In this situation, if it's all Jews, it's nit kabinah rogetze, vahragetze. The fact that there's one non Jew in there, alav, the kuti kavua, vechol kavua ke al mehasa says the gemara, in such a situation. It would be considered patur because of a principle. And the principle is derived from here, from this Pasuk of Ve'arav, Kamalav, the Gemara Kitubot Dafteetva, the Chulin and Aleph, deals with this principle. It's called Kavua. Kavua means established. Here's the classic example for what we're talking about. Strange case. A person purchases meat. He walks on to Avenue U, I don't know if this is, re- yeah, yeah, sure, if you go all the way down Avenue, there's still a non-Jewish, non-kosher meat store that still exists. Certainly on Avenue J, there's a halal meat place, I know, next to the school, and then there's a bunch of kosher meat, place, uh, kosher meat places. So let's say, says the Gemara, there's nine kosher meat establishments and one non-kosher meat establishment, and a person purchased meat, and it's unclear where the meat came from. We go, we go, we go based on majority. We can throw in whatever concept and every, every idea you want. The halacha in such a circumstance is you're not allowed to eat from it. Why are you not allowed to eat from it? It's this principle. It's called kavua. Since the establishment is in place, it's not moving. The meat has not. Now, if the mo- meat was removed from Avenue U, removed from King's Highway, removed from Avenue J, and it's in another place, that's a separate halacha we're not going to address now. That's parush, called, par- called the parish merubah parish. But what we're talking about is when it's in place. So the meat is there on Avenue J, out on the street. It's on Avenue U. You just walked out of the store. You don't remember. I don't know. You had amnesia of some sort. You don't know where it came from or it's packaged without the marking. And you don't know which one of the stores. Of course, it came from the majority. Not kol kavua. Which means to say, we we consider even against a, a clear majority, this pasuk teaches us that it's going to be treated as a full-fledged safik in a circumstance of kosher or not kosher. We're going to go safiq lahmi. We're going to say you can't eat from it. In a situation of whether you're liable for death penalty, we now see the other side of the coin. What's the halacha in such a circumstance? the We're going to be lenient. When all the dust settles, the Gemara then explains to us the opinion of hachamim by introducing us to a fundamental principle called kol kavua meh anything that's in place. Place hasn't moved. We don't give it the status of majority. We give it the status of absolute and full suffic. Uncertain, It hasn't moved. That's the halakha. Ve'arav lo ve'kam alav. To the extent that we'll let this guy off the hook of death row. He threw the rock across the street. He shot the bullet. He shot however he got, got killed person killed. There were 99 Jews and one non-Jew. And he ends up killing a Jew. Lo Lo'aleinu. In such a circumstance, he's patur. Says the Gemara. That is the halakha we derived for the hachamim. Again, it's a fundamental principle when it comes to kashrut, when it comes to halachot throughout Talmud and halakha. Says the Gemara, okay, now that we settled the initial mechanics with regards to the Hachamim and Bishimon, we understand exactly the coordinates of their machloket, we understand their sourcing, Bishimon, we got from Ve'aravlo, the Hachamim. how would they understand Ve'aravlo? The now that we understand their opinions, let's challenge them. Says the Gemara, I understand the opinion of the Chachamim with regards to another Halakha, which is stated in the Torah, and here it is. Obviously, we're going to say, I understand, Bishlamah means it's understood, according to the Chachamim. Rabbi Shimon, we're going to turn to him and we're going to say, how do you explain this statement in the Torah? Here's the statement in the Torah. It's in Parashat Mishpatim. anashim It's this uh, classic situation. See, in Parashat Mishpatim, toward the end. And the Torah describes if there are two men who are unfortunately fighting one with the other. Fighting one with the other and then, the, the Torah tells us, instead of killing one another, they kill a woman who's pregnant who walks in between them. Unbeknownst to her, there's a brawl in front of her apartment, in front of her house, she walks into the, into the middle of it and she gets struck. In such a circumstance, there's many different situations and circumstances the Torah describes. Either she got killed. What happens in such a situation? Oh, they know they sh- one of them strikes her. Maybe they're shooting guns, one of them shoots her. Um, alternatively, she doesn't die but the baby or babies which are inside of her, she's pregnant after all, die. What's the halacha in each of those circumstances? First and foremost, the Torah tells us if she doesn't die and the babies do, the halakha is, the Torah tells us, has yashit alav and biflilim As to pay value, as to pay money. How do you value it? We could discuss on another occasion. But that's the halakha. So I'm reading you the full pasuk. You understand context now. anashim. If two men are, or people are fighting. Vinagefu isha hara. means to be pregnant. They strike a pregnant woman. V'yaaseu yeladea. Instead of killing her, they kill the babies. Or baby. But there's no tragedy to her life. This is babies which were in, internal, hadn't come out yet. Anoshi anesh, he shall surely get punished. The person who struck. We know from the beginning of Sefer Shmuel, for example, as a reference to in bedin, judges will determine this. Okay, so that that much we have, and we have that circumstance in the Torah. That's that's number one. Now I'm reading to you the next pasuk. I find all these on the side of my Gemara. I assume you do as well in the Torah. Or The next pasuk goes as follows. What if, instead of just striking the babies and killing them, not that that was easy for any of us, but what if instead of just striking them, they strike the woman herself? And the woman dies. I gave you that as an opportunity, a situation as well. The Torah seemingly tells us you take the life of the person who struck her. Okay, that much we have established. So we have a circumstance, I'm going to repeat to you before we get it, make it very real for us. There's two men fighting one against the other. Instead of striking one of the other and bringing it to the death, maybe they did strike blows, level blows one upon the other, they kill either the woman or the babies. First and foremost, if they killed the baby, they pay. They pay. If they kill the, the woman the Torah seems to say they get put to death ok says the Gemara here here we are how do you explain according to the Chachamim, who Chachamim how do you explain according to the Bishimon because according to Chachamim who maintained that if you intended to kill one you end up killing the other Hayav says I understand the circumstance in the Torah listen to the case again the Torah says if the people are fighting and they end up striking a pregnant woman as he interpreted these Pesukim he said masu. It's talking about Masut, we know that word from the Torah, we just read it. He said if they're fighting, if they're brawling one with the other. Masut means it's a fight, means the intention is to kill. Uh, let me explain to you the situation. You might say, what was their intention? The Torah only says if there are two men fighting, they strike her, they strike them, whatever. What was the intention? I know what the intention was. The intention was to kill. How do you know the intention was to kill? After all, the Pasuk says in the next one, the second of the two that I read to you, if they end up killing, if one of them ends up killing the pregnant woman... You take their life. Why are you taking their life? They should say, I didn't have intention to kill. It's Shogeg. It's Asun. It's one of these. Clearly, there was intention to kill. One second. One second. I'm watching this from my terrible... I called the police, and I'm trying to stop it, but ultimately speaking, I'm watching it from my, uh, my eagle's perch, and I see this taking place, and I realize that this man is intending to kill whom? The other man. Reuben's fighting against Shimon. Rahel walks into the middle. And they end up killing Rahel. One second, they killed Rachel. One of them killed Reuven, killed Rachel. He should be liable. The Torah says, But who was the intention of Reuven to kill? To kill Shimon, not to kill Rachel? He walks into court and he says, I feel terrible while what took place. I never would have wished that upon anyone, but it wasn't my intention. My intention was to kill that man. I was I tried to kill that man. I ended up killing this woman. I should be patu, but the Torah nonetheless says, which makes clear to us that you try to kill one, you end up killing another, of course, with the necessary warning. We don't have Jesse to remind us of that today, but that's the halacha. That's what the Gemara says. I understand this case in the Torah, according to Hachamim. Forget about a Beraita, forget about a Mishnah. We have a case in the Torah. <laughs> She doesn't have to. We're talking about even if she's pregnant. If she's not pregnant, <laughs> according to Rabbi Shimon, <laughs> how does Rabbi Shimon explain that pasuk in the Torah? The Torah seems somewhat explicit. The intention is to kill. How do you know the intention is to kill? Because they killed the woman and they get put to death. But the intention wasn't to kill the woman. The intention was to kill the other guy. The Torah says, <laughs> Answers the gemara for bishim'on, mamon. The case is when the Torah says, nefesh nafesh, it doesn't mean you give life, it means you pay money. Really, that's right. Even though the Torah seemingly tells us you give your soul, which we assume is your soul of life, li- livelihood, your heart, and your mind, and your ability to be alive, nefesh in this situation is a reference to money. It shouldn't take you by that much of a surprise. We do understand that money. Right? What does the Gemara refer to as money all the time? Damin. I mean, like it's your blood. Uh, what is it that uh, we know from Ve'ahavta et asonai doecha b'chol leva vechal chonav shechav chon the Rasha and Masecha benachod and daf this? em yesh chad Oh, we saw an hour We saw it all just not too long ago. We saw it at the uh, at the end of the uh, of of Ben Sorel and More. What is more beloved to you? Is it money? And he hashuf commit, says Jared, furthermore. I mean, the statement over here then is not so far fetched. The idea being, was that that's a in my Sechinid somewhere, mitchet, maybe. I'm sorry fact check me. Anyway, says the Gemara, nonetheless, for our purposes, nefesh, or natata nefesh tachat according to Rabbi Shimon, is a reference to paying money. Does, do you have some sourcing for that? Oh, sure. Uch be? and this would be in line with the dirasha of Rabbi, Ditanya. after all, we have a Biraita which states the opinion of Rabbi. Rabbi Omer, v'natata nefesh nafesh, mamon. There it is. All right, before we give uh, explanation, Rabbi, to do is the author of the Mishnayot, the one who edited everything for us, his opinion quite clearly is when the Torah says if you were to strike that woman, again, in the circumstance of man fighting against man accidentally, quote unquote, seemingly killing the woman, you had intentionality to kill, but not her, you're paying only money. How do you evaluate the money? not so simple. Rashi here says, You do the value of the woman to her inheritors. Rashi in his commentary to the Torah in Parashat Mishpatim says you evaluate, if I remember, correctly evaluate how much she would be sold for as a, uh, a shivha if she were to be a uh, maidservant to someone in other words like a, like a slave alright that's it the rock into the, into the benches in the, into the room of the ten Jews, uh, first and foremost, Pasuk told us so. Ve'arav lo the Now, why is this difference? This is, this is closer. Over here, you see the woman. Over here, you struck the woman, as opposed to, so to speak, a, a blind throw. It's a blind throw into a group, and it hit one of them. Over here, it's closer. All right, it's tenuous, it's close in terms of, that's the hachamim. hachamim are telling us, under almost all circumstances, unless... It's a situation where you don't see and just threw in. It it's, it's, it's further removed. In the first case, Which case? The first case that two men were there and you intended to hit one and hit the other. It, 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 according to the Hachamim? According to the Chachamim it's not. According to the Bishimon it's not either. It's not. It's identical. It's, the only problem is the Torah says you pay with your life. We think it is identical. You tried to kill one, you killed another, they're both Jews. It's identical. What does the Torah say? The first case he should be high up. What's that? The first case he should be high uh, up. Yeah. Yeah, that's the question that's why we're questioning Rabbi Shimon according to the Chachamim you are Hayav. we turn to Rabbi Shimon and say how do you say Hayav mitah in the Torah and your opinion is you're not Hayav, right so the answer is he's talking about Mamon When Ata Mamon Ata umer Mamon Rabbi explains his opinion he clarifies says do you really mean to say in the Torah when it says nefesh it refers to Mamon yes Charlie points out for us importantly the eighth parak in Masich Bava Kama talks about Ayn, tachatayin petzatah tata and so on and so forth all those references to money, right? That's very clear. Ha'am Babim calls that a pirush Mikubab Moshe Rabbeinu, which means even the Torah seems to say an eye for an eye. Which in ancient cultures, we have a, something called the Hammurabi's Code, meant actually taking an eye for an eye. I pierce someone's eye and my eye is pierced. And our HaChamim told us that's very clearly and explicitly referring to money. says so it's not so much further to say that Nefesh Tahat in this context is Mamon as well. Oh, maybe not. Afkan Mamun Says Rabi, here's my derasha to pisukim, back to back We read both of the pisukim Let's review them very briefly First pasuk gives us the context There's a fight between man and man Reuven and Shimon Leah whatever we named her Walked into the middle And the babies were struck And they are unfortunately killed What's the halachan such a situation? We had a word in the Torah Vinatan biflilim Anosh, Yanesh ala anosh ya aneshka sheshit al ba'ala isha znatan beflilim benatan and he will give the immediate after pasuk again talks about the shon of netina giving vimas on yaven atatan yogev nefesh ta nefesh while the first pasuk is quite clear it's a reference to paying benatan beflilim The second pasuk, in turn, says, Rabbi, I mean, we might say it's a stretch, but that's Rabbi's derasha. Rabbi says, I have a linking between these two pasukim. It's not so much called the gezerah shavah here. It's a back-to-back pasukim. One pasuk talks about giving. The next pasuk talks about giving. The first giving is quite clearly and explicitly money. In turn, the second one, which talks about life, I might say it's uh, what can be considered life. It's a reference to Mamon. That's how the Gemara resolves this matter for Rabbi Shimon. Okay, what, what we have thus far then is two opinions. According to Rabbi Shimon and according to Chachamim, in Nikavin laharog Vahara vaharag what's the halakha? On the one hand, according to the Chachamim, hayav mitah. On the other hand, according to Rabbi Shimon and according to Rabbi, hayav mamon, you must pay a value of the life we have yet a third and startling opinion. It's the famous opinion of Tana Deveh Hiskia. Tana Tanah Deveh Hiskia makes their major appearance in Masechet Ketubot and Daflamidhe. But Tana Deveh Hiskia, whom we will, in the next uh, day develop, or less than a day develop, has, uh, of the opinion that you're completely and fully patur, both from life, you're not liable for death penalty, but even for payment, which is a crazy thing. You're off the hook, you don't need to pay anything, you don't lose your life. How do they derive that? Of course, we'll try to figure out logic as well. At the very least, let's deal with the mechanics, or at least begin them now, says the Gemara. Ha Amar two lines from the top and mutbet this this ha means this which was taught in the midrash of chiskia so it's a teaching from chiskia chiskia was um, not only a king but he was also one of the rabbis from the time of the Mishnah Beraita mafka it's coming to exclude meaning it's not like Rabbi Rabbi's opinion was Mamon we aligned him with Rabbi Shimon umafka and it excludes as well Rabbanan, which was you'd give your life if nitkaven la harogitse vaharogitse. Who is Tanah de Hiskiya? De Tana de Hiskiya. Here's the statement of of the DeVirhiskiya. Make Adam Umakeh. Behema, the pasuk has what we call a hekesh. Uh, one of the ways of deriving laws from the Torah is hekesh, when two laws are juxtap- juxtaposed, when they're placed one next to the other. Uh, so uh, the Torah talks about in close context, and direct one after the other, a situation where a person strikes and kills an animal, or strikes and kills a human being. Now the pasuk says, Rashi cites it on the side, Ma behema adam yumat. As says, if a person strikes uh, an animal, you pay for it. Person strikes a human being, he gets put to death. That's the back-to-back. What does one have to do with the other just because they're both striking? So, the derasha of Tanadeveh Hiskea will be that they're very significant. It's coming to tell us very clearly that somehow these are related to the extent that we're going to derive well, what we mentioned earlier. Let's see it uh, quickly here in the Gemara. It says, When it comes to striking an animal, there is no difference. Very clearly, Rashi cites this derasha elsewhere of Pezza Tahat Paza. The Gemara makes a derasha from those words in Masechet Bava Kamanda kafav, you don't distinguish if a person were to strike another and give damage. We call that uh, damaging, killing their property. In such a situation, there's no difference ben No, but I did it accidentally. It doesn't matter. You have to pay. Adam le'olam, says the Mishnah. Ben I didn't intend for this one. I intended for the other. It doesn't matter. You damaged this one. Ben derech yerida yerida It's irrespective of whether it was on the way up or the way down. The Gemara, 2nd Perek Bavaka Makes this clear. We'll talk about it a little bit in the ensuing lines over here. Uh, it's a situation, for example, with an axe. That's right. The Torah describes if a person's raising his axe. There's a difference sometimes, but not when it comes to damage. With regards to if by raising the axe he kills or damages something, or if it's when it's lowering. For the at, at the very least, for our purposes at the current moment, there's no difference with regard to damages. There's no hiluk in all those situations. Or from paying you, rather liable to pay," says the says the Beraita Tanad VeChizkia Af MaKei Adam so too when it comes to striking a person, you should not distinguish between any of these circumstances, we'll have to understand exactly what that means. We'll return to it tomorrow, but again, the bottom line will be that according to Tanah Devei Hiskiya, in a circumstance of mitkabin not only are you patur from chiyuv mitah, like Rabbi Shim'on, but you're even patur from chiyuv mamon, it's a third opinion. amen